used to love the Discovery Channel. This was back in days when the Discovery Channel was about discoveries, and the History Channel was about history <laughs> before all the new shows showed up. But I, I like to watch the Discovery Channel and imagine that I was one of those explorers that got to travel around the world, new and exciting places, and discover new things. And I especially liked the anthropologists, because anthropologists get to discover people. Anthropologists get to run around strange and exotic places, jungles, and canoe up to the Amazon. And it's their job to explore exotic and strange peoples, to study the norms and values of societies, to record their ways of dressing or not dressing, to understand other cultures, which are sometimes very foreign to us. In the 1950s, a Polish anthropologist named Alicia Iwanska traveled to a far-off land to study a bizarre and strange people. Her exotic subject was farmers in Midwestern America. And she was sent here to America to um, put together some of the societal norms of these unusual subjects in overalls and flowered print dresses in learning about how they lived their lives and how they saw the world, Iwanska noticed that there were really three categories that these farming families used to frame their universe. Although they may never have recognized it, may never have articulated it in this way, every, everything that these farmers encountered was unconsciously divided into three categories. Landscape, machinery, and people. And this seems pretty obvious to anyone uh, who has really traveled to the more remote parts of Kansas and Iowa, that there's not much more to look at than repetitive scenery and farm equipment and some really great people. Why do you need an advanced degree to make this conclusion? Well, the unusual thing about this framework was not the categories, but what fit into those categories and the way that Iwanska found that people categorize landscape machinery, and people. So landscape, that seems obvious, that was the category used to describe the scenery that people saw around them, the plains and the fields, things they enjoyed looking at, benefiting from, admiring, in a disinterested sort of way. But she also found that they treated people as landscape at times. Sometimes on Sunday afternoons, they'd take their families on long Sunday drives. It's what people used to do for entertainment. And they would drive past Native American reservations in the area and look idly at the Native communities and their dress and their habits and their culture. They would point them out to their children in the way one would point out landmarks on a vacation. These people were really landscape to them, scenery to be gawked at. The machinery category involved all things useful, things that contributed to the productivity of their farming life, things like tractors and harvesters, of course, but also the land and the livestock could serve as machinery since they produced for them as well. The Mexican migrant workers who became the staff on their farms in harvest season were sometimes thought more of as machinery than as people. The most important thing about them was their productivity, which was important in the same way that you would want productivity from a fuel pump or a harvester. But they were not someone you would get personally involved with. These people functioned more as machinery for them. 
they didn't really fit into the third category, the category of people. People were those with whom they had a constant relationship, those who they depended on in times of need and gave personal attention to. They were family. They were neighbors, people they listened to, they empathized with, they treasured and treated with respect. You and I might assume that all homo sapiens would be in the category of people, but some were just machinery to be used, or landscapes to be scenic entertainment, something to talk about in boring small town life. And when I first read Iwanska's study about these farmers, I got angry. How dare they objectify people like that? How dare they consider the needs of workers on their farms to be insignificant? Or the lives of people whose ancestors had lived on their lands long before their families settled there to be mere entertainment? How dare they objectify other people for their own entertainment or use them for their own gain? It's a good thing that this study was about 1950s America, not a current reality. It's a good thing we don't objectify people anymore in our current day, right? Right? Yet here we are in 2016. And in the last year, maybe 18 months, the life of our own culture has caused me to question sometimes whether we should strike the word progress from our dictionaries. We're still about the business of objectifying people. I'm terrified sometimes that there is some anthropologist out there, maybe sitting in the back today, studying us right now, writing their findings down in some little journal with a mechanical pencil, making hash marks that will wind up in some study that others will read and judge us by 60 years from now and shake their heads in amazement. Using people as machinery, check. Gazing on people as scenery for our own entertainment, check. There was a student in a nursing school who told the story of the most difficult test that she had to take. She studied for days, and when the day of the test finally arrived, she felt confident in her knowledge. She sat down and breezed through question after question that she had prepared for until she came to the last one. And the last question in this test in the nursing class read, what is the name of the woman who cleans this building? When she protested to the professor that this must be a joke, the professor explained that no, in the profession of nursing, it was extremely important that they learn the lesson of valuing all people for who they were and treating them with significance, since all deserve their attention and care. And, and the student says that she never forgot that lesson or that the woman's name was Dorothy and that it made her a better nurse. What is the name of the person who cleans this building? Or the one you go to class in, or live in, or the building you work in? When you checked out at the grocery store this week, do you remember the face of the person who checked you out? Did you speak to that human being as a person, or did you treat them as machinery, something that served you in much the same way that the scanner uh, served you to price your purchases. What was the name of the human person who checked you out? Were they a person or were they machinery? Or when you shake your head at the news these days or comment on the behavior of people on social media, are you watching and listening to them as persons? Or have you begun to objectify them as ridiculous? Something to comment on later, scenery that 
turned your head or entertained you? What are your categories? Jesus saw people. He didn't just look at them. He saw them. He saw right past their exteriors to their deepest needs. Here's a few examples. Matthew 9, 2. And just then some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Luke 13, 12. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. John 5, 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? For Jesus, ministry always begins with seeing people, really seeing them. When Jesus encounters a sick person, the first thing we're told is that he saw them. Before he ever heals them, he has to see them. When Jesus encounters the paralyzed man at Bethesda, he saw him and knew his needs. When he arrived and found Mary and Martha weeping after Lazarus died, we're told he saw their grief. Now, most of us here are good Sunday school graduates, so we know the right answers. We look down at our WWJD bracelets, and we wave our hand in the air. Oh, I got it. I know the answer. Jesus wants us to see people not as machinery, not as landscape, but as people. Third category, easy. But have you ever noticed that Jesus is always calling us outside of categories, outside of easy answers? God, as he often does, calls us to a whole new and unexpected level. There's a whole other category in scripture, one that most anthropologists might not notice. And that's the one that God wants us to see in people around us. In the scripture Dan read for us today, we're called to see with new eyes in a radical and revolutionary sort of way. We're not called to stop at just seeing people as humans around us. We're called not just to see them as Jesus would see them, but to see them as Jesus. Then the righteous will answer them, Lord, when was it that we saw you? hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you, a stranger, and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? Jesus is adding a whole new category. We shouldn't see people as landscapes or machinery. We shouldn't even stop at seeing their humanity. We're called to see Christ in them. I don't know about you, but if I met Jesus on the street, he needed clothing or a drink or shelter, I would jump. I would jump at the chance to joyfully offer those things. So why do I, why do I look past the people that need them? Were those who were the goats in this story thinking that they passed by Jesus? Or did they consciously reject the hungry? prisoner and the sick, or did they walk by the naked and the homeless, seeing them as scenery that blended in with city life? Did, did they ignore the stranger in a merchant who they treated as machinery? Scripture is offering us a whole new discovery channel here. It has us discovering the image of God in human beings, really from the very first moment of the creation of humanity on earth, what does it mean that the first thing affirmed about us as humans is that we're made in the image of God? What should it mean for how we look at each other? And then, in the incarnation, 
where we rediscover what it means to treasure humanity because our Lord stepped into this human flesh and showed us that if we think he is precious, all humans must be just as precious. Jesus wanted so badly for us to understand what it meant to treasure the hungry and the thirsty and the sick and the stranger and the naked and the imprisoned. He wanted so badly for us to get that, to see it, that he actually became all of those things. Jesus doesn't stop short at telling us to go out and reach these people. He actually himself, at some point in his life, was hungry, thirsty, alien, naked, sick, and imprisoned. He didn't just talk about these places, he went to them, so we can't stop short of seeing him there. Mother Teresa once entertained a visitor who came all the way to where she lived to study her life and work and see for himself what she did. And as they were walking down the streets of Calcutta, they noticed a body lying in a ditch. She rushed over and found that the man in the ditch was, in fact, not dead. He was seriously ill, and he had been left beside the road to die. And as she called someone over to take this man uh, to the place where she and her sisters could care for him, she lifted this man's face in her hands, and she said to her visitor, Look, it is our Lord in one of his most clever disguises. She knew how to see Jesus in that man. Eyes trained for discovery don't dehumanize people into machinery to be used or landscape for our entertainment, but they don't even stop at seeing humanity in people. They discover Jesus in them, even in his most clever disguises. Let's pray. I want to invite you as we pray to make this a personal moment for you. Try to picture a person who has become mere entertainment to you. Someone that you have laughed at, made fun of, judged, scoffed at. Someone you know or someone in the news. Someone who is less than human and less than Jesus to you. Can you picture that person? I want to invite you to think of a person who's become machinery to you. Anyone whose productivity enhances your life that you may have considered less than human. Can you picture them? Or maybe you don't even have a picture for them, but you know they're there. Do you have that person in your mind? Jesus, move through our categories today. Wipe away the places that we have sinned by not recognizing you in your most clever of disguises. Give us eyes that see. Seeing is the beginning of ministry, and so, Lord, don't let us stop there. Help us to identify, to step in as you did. Give us eyes that see, Lord. And then call us deeper. In your name we pray. Amen.